Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 3, Prisoners. I had somehow completely forgotten this episode. I did too. Like, I know, like, the sequel to this episode, because I hate it so much, but this one, I was like, what is this one? And then, like, about, like, 10, 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, it's this one. Which yeah. Is, does this continue into the next episode? Because I have no recollection. No, it comes back in the episode Past and Present. Mm. In, is that season three or season four? Season three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So, well, really so, starting off of, a whole bunch of different things that come back later. Well, I'm, this 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 one comes back not in the way you think it does. When You'll remember when we get there what wow. it is. So. Yeah, I was watching this one and I'd completely forgotten about it. And then like halfway through it, I was like, oh, wait. But yeah. all I remembered was like the twist at the end and that was it. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember anything else. Well, shall we talk through it and try and figure out what we do remember, even though we just watched it, so we should remember everything? <laughs> sure, yeah, let's stop talking in vague. <laughs> in vagities and get into specificity. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so this episode aired on July 10th, 1998. It was written by Terry Curtis Fox and directed by David Worry Smith. And in this episode, the SG-1 team inadvertently helps a desperate criminal and is charged as an accessory to murder, sentenced to life imprisonment and banished to a desolate, brutal penal colony called Hadante. They strike a deal to escape with the aid of the powerful and enigmatic Linnea, known to the other prisoners as Destroyer of Worlds. There's there's kind of a lot that happens in this for the fact that there's like one location. So uh, we, we open on close-up of a, a spider web and a giant spider, which is super awesome for me because, yeah, arachnophobia. Love yeah, so much. I love them. I love them so much. I make my husband kill them when they're in our house. Um, but so, yeah, so close-up, a spider, as she one is walking through the woods of Vancouver. I mean, an alien planet. And Daniel's apparently just recording the trees. And moss, because that's that's all that there is. And apparently they've been walking for several miles, but they're still just in the forest. And there don't seem to be any apparent signs of civilization. So Jack just wants to call it and head back to Earth. And Daniel tries to protest, but nope. And Jack and Daniel do that, like, joint finger thing where Daniel, like, he's like, but wait. And Jack is like, nope. (laughs) And I just, (laughs) I love it when they do that. And Jack's like, we'll flag it for an aerial survey so, you know, maybe there's something, but it's just too far for this sort of initial contact type mission, if you will, when suddenly they hear someone or something come like running through the woods. And a man comes running out of the trees like he's being chased and says that Taldor has found him, which is a bad thing, apparently. And they're also surrounded by Taldor. And this he's like speaking English, but it's like they're, they're sort of weird, not quite full sentences and it's like I don't the way he was speaking was really kind of weird like they were trying to make it alien but not quite fully successful he was also kind of speaking like obviously you know what I'm talking about hello you're here yeah it's like Taldor found us they find you they find us and and we're all just like 
okay. So, yes. uh, so they help him up and like start to head back to the gate. And apparently they've been walking for a bit when suddenly there's this strange high pitched, uh, whining type noise. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but like metal and I don't know, just some weird, very unpleasant sound kind of all around them. There's like this huge, like wind out of nowhere. And then there is a bright light and then suddenly everybody is in a large room and SG-1 no longer has their weapons. So that's some interesting technology that, that just happened there. So do you suppose that this particular set of just a room with a light over their head is to make up for the budget that they blew on the previous episodes? <laughs> uh, possibly. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. for this scene, we're just yeah. going to need a big old warehouse and a light. Just, just an empty room. I mean, I think it does also say something about the Taldor and their technology. Like, you're somewhere on the planet, then suddenly you're just in this stark room with just these, like, disembodied voices. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a choice, you know? You don't mm-hmm. just, like, to, like, you make a conscious decision to set up your, like, judicial chambers like this. So, they're doing very well with the whole intimidation factor. Yes. And so we then hear from off camera, a woman speaks and says that they are prisoners. And Daniel suddenly remembers that Taldor means justice. And I tried to find in what language, but there, like, nothing. Could not find it on any, like, translation website, like, dictionary. Like, I could not figure out what, what language does Taldor mean justice. The internet was no help this week on that, unfortunately. Boo, internet, um, boo. I know. And, like, every time I just Google Taldor, all it does is give me either references to this episode of Stargate, or apparently Taldor is also, like, a city in the Pathfinder game, or, like, a kingdom. It has something to do with the Pathfinder game. I don't know. Right now. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, all references to Taldor on the internet are to Stargate or Pathfinder. So if you can find anything else, please feel free to you know interject and let me know. But okay, so why are they all prisoners? So according to these people, SG-1 helped Rashur just because he was being chased. So they are like also apparently guilty of his crime, which was murder. And they're like, but we we know Hebrew is it? I looked that up. Are you sure? If you're looking at what I'm looking at, it's just Hebrew translations of the script of this episode. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just looking at little, little, you know, yeah. snippets of the articles. If you find the, yeah, that was one of the first ones. I was like, oh, it's Hebrew. That would kind of make sense that Daniel might know that. No, it's just no. Hebrew translations of this script. <laughs> oh, you probably found... That it's similar to a Hebrew word. Uh, tel, Teldar. I found something about Teldar, which was like a city somewhere. But. Mm. <laughs> okay, keep going. I'm just gonna, okay. doing it, doing a loose. <laughs> You're not going to find anything, I promise. Um, yeah, but anyway. I think- I think the closest I found that is apparently close to a Hebrew word, but no. <laughs> No dice. Nope. No. 
So SJ one's like, we we didn't kill anybody. Why why are we guilty of murder? And they're like, you said you helped him. It's like, yeah, because he was like being chased and we thought he was in trouble. So we we just we just helped him because that that's what we do. And apparently they've also trespassed on ancient grounds whilst carrying weapons. Jack Daniel and Sam all try to just explain like we're just we're just explorers. We didn't mean to like uh, offend anybody or break any laws. But, and, you know, they had no idea about any kind of murder, but apparently these Taldor people have a very, very, very strict judicial system with, like, like, there's, like, no strikes. You get, like, no strikes on this planet. Like, you just, you you step your toe out of line and you're just gone. Um, I'm guessing they don't have many planet visitors. No, I guess not either. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the result of this, quote-unquote, trial is that they will be sent back through the Stargate. And Daniel's like, thank you, because they apparently think they'll be sent back to Earth. But no, they're not not going home. They're being sent to the prison world, Hadante, the rest of their lives. Oh, man. We go to the opening credits. Not a good day. So, no, things are not starting off on a good foot for our SG-1 folks. Mm, no. No. So after the opening credits, we come back and we see SG-1 and Roshur come flying out of the gate onto what is apparently Hadante. Do you think Hadante is named after, like, Hades? Because I tried to do, like, an etymological search on Hadante, and that didn't give me anything either. I'm like, it kind of sounds like Hades. Hadante goes to a Hebrew word for justice. (laughs) No. A Hebrew word for Hades. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? Could could Hedante be a sort of Hades reference riff? Maybe. I I mean probably some sort of okay. some sort of them, something of their yeah. I'm gonna go with yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So wherever this is, it appears to be underground. That there's like giant sort of like roots and tree trunk looking things like in the walls and like hanging from the ceiling. And when they stand up, like, everybody's whistling for some reason, just sort of like a steady pitch, not like whistling a tune, but just sort of like a steady pitch whistle. And like apparently, trying to make the wind. Kind of. It, sound, it sounds very eerie and ominous, and I don't like it. Um, but apparently what happened is when, when the kawoosh happened, there was a guy standing in front of it, and he was vaporized. Mm-hmm. So, because the Tilk looks down and there's just a pair of boots that with, like, steam coming out the top. So, there's apparently steam? still is ste- smoke, steam, something. No, I tried to, to think, like, what sort of reaction would stuff actually have that was vaporized by it? Would it be hot? Would it be steamy? Well, be I mean, the steamy? human body is, like, 70% water or whatever. Would it combust? So, I mean, if you think if you like, you know, cauterize a wound, there is, you know, a bit of smoke type thing that happens there just with burning skin. So it is like heat vaporization is what happens. I'm going with yes. Okay. Even though in the past when people have come out of the Stargate, they've been frozen. Right. It's not. It's weird. But apparently the Kawush itself is hot. It's a massive burst of energy and energy usually equals heat. Uh, that's true. That, so I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another prisoner who comes sort of like darting out from behind the gate and like picks up the shoes, 
with the feet still in them. Ugh. And <laughs> it's just like, I just can't stop thinking about the fact that there's just a pair of feet in those shoes. You think there'd just be like a pile of feet somewhere. Yeah. Uh, left. Oh, oh, I don't know. Rachel, why did you have to mention that? Foot pile. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Dang, that's a lovely visual. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Sam Sam tries to like talk to this guy probably so they can sort of like figure out what's going on but he just runs away and then Sam is suddenly grabbed from behind by a very large man and she like headbutts him and like tries to kick him in the shins but he's very strong and is not letting go and then we hear sort of from off screen a woman call his name Vishnur and so he drops Sam back to the ground and the crowd parts to reveal uh, an elderly woman. And she introduces herself as Linnea. And then Daniel introduces all of SG-1. And I will always remember her as the mom for the movie Twins. Oh, oh my God, that's right. That's where she's from. Every single other role I see her in, that's, right. that's what she is. That's what she will oh. always be is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny Guido's mom from Twins. That's right. Oh, I, whenever I see that, I'm like, she looks so familiar, but for some reason, I've, like, never gone to IMDb to, like, look her up for some reason. Yeah. But, I yeah. can't see her. That's, now I'm not going to be able to unsee it, so thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Linnea then, though, tells the crowd that Sam is under her protection and no man is to take her. Got it, Vishner? Clearly, they've run into that before. Yeah. So Sam tries to be like, you know, I can, I can, you know, take care of myself. She's like, I'm sure you can, but I know what it's like to be a woman in this place. So just like, let me help you is basically the vibe that's going on here. And then she turns to the rest of SG1. It's like, for whatever it's worth, welcome. And then she just leaves. And Daniel tries is like, but wait, I we quite question. Like, they have questions. Wait, and, I must, I must learn about I your must culture. Learn, I, I must learn who you are. What is and this name? <laughs> Jack's like, did, did, no, just leave it. Just leave it. We're not getting anything else. So now it's time to figure out, okay, where are they? What do they have? What do they need? And Daniel's like, well, a DHD would be great. It's like, okay, let's assume there's no DHD here because. Let's leave the humor to Jack, shall we? Yeah. Uh, so if there's no DHD, we at least need a power source so they can do the manual gate dial thing. Jack's like, great. Tilk, take, take point and look scary. So, which I think to this point, Tilk has said like two words in this episode. So, oh, yeah, Tilk he really is, didn't have yeah, he didn't really say much in this episode. He was just like, to, he was just the muscle of this episode. Um, so they start making their way sort of through the various corridors that are down there. And Daniel comments that it's like Botany Bay, which he says the, is the original name for Sydney Harbor. And then starts sort of explaining the basic idea that Australia was set up as a penal colony to Tilk, which was like half a world away. And they're definitely more than half a world away. And that's not very happy news. Um, but the other thing is Daniel's wrong. So the original name for Sydney Harbor was actually Port Jackson, not Botany Bay. Oh. So, but Botany Bay is where James Cook first landed in Australia when he was doing his like explorer thing was like, this is a place we shall make our penal colony. And they're like, great. And then, but then like when they came back with like the first set of prisoners, they're like, actually, you know what? Like that place is better. <laughs> so 
So. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's just, it's honestly just like the sort of the next little inlet down, like if Sydney Harbor is like, is like 10, 20 miles north of Botany Bay. So I don't know why, but yeah, it's kind of like they found Botany Bay. Like, let's do it here. And then, eh, no, actually we'll do it up there instead. So that's funny. Yeah. So they're still sort of making their way through and they see uh, the prisoner from earlier who took the shoes and he's now dragging a dead body. And they're like, you, did you kill him? And he's like, no, he killed himself. I, I'm yeah. not sure if he's lying or not. I don't this, know. This whole interaction is just plain weird. It is weird because then he takes that necklace off the dead body and gives it to Sam as a gift. And she's like, why? And he's like, because you're the protected one. And then he like tries to get Tilk to challenge Fishner. And then maybe they can be friends, maybe. And so it's like, maybe not. So, yeah, it's all all types of awkward. Yes, very awkward. Yeah, much. And then Uh, he gets all like angry face on him, like none of you are following any of my plans. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna play with you anymore. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so then yeah, so then he just like keeps dragging the dead body off to wherever he was taking it. Um, so Jack then decides to split up the team with Daniel and Tilk, just sort of continue to sort of look around and get a feel for the place. And he and Sam are going to go try and find Linnea because there's power coming from somewhere because there is light. And if they're underground, if there's light, that must mean there's power from somewhere. And she kind of seems like she's vaguely in charge or would kind of know how things work around here. So might as well start there. And, but uh, before they split off, Jack like reaches up and like takes Daniel's glasses off of his face and then like puts them in Daniel's pocket because a sign of weakness in a place like this is not good. But also Jack could have just told Daniel, but no, he had to like reach up and do it himself. And <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> and you found it cute. I did. I found it over and I'm like, Oh, Jack. <laughs> so. And so now and, Daniel has no glasses. We'll, we'll put that on the tally of glasses uh, in the pocket time. I, uh, I haven't been keeping tally of that. I've just been keeping no. the death tally. That's okay. I think it's going to be way too complicated to do some sort of glasses tally. Mm-hmm. But apparently it'll be fine and he can see anyway, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Daniel, until kickoff. It would have been so great if there was a blooper at some point where, like, that happened. And he was just like, oh, it's fine. They're just for show. I can see without him anyway. <laughs> I don't actually need them. They just make me look better. They just make me look smarter. (laughs) (sighs) I didn't need Uh, them the whole time. (laughs) Yep. So, like, Daniel and Tilk go off in one direction, and Sam and Jack start to head off in another when sort of Rosher comes sort of, like, running back and sort of, like, runs through them and, like, sort of stumbles over them and falls to the ground and, like, pleads with Jack for help, and Jack just, like, shoves him, and, like, he just, like, does not care what's going off, so just, so Rosher just, like, runs off, and for some reason I was reminded of of the Shakespearean stage direction, he exits pursued by a bear, because... <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on, what's that? Hang on, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta double check to make sure I say the right one. That has a story. Exit pursued by a bear... Uh, is oh from the Winter's Tale, and Antigonus uh, meets his death at, at the hands of a bear, and in the stage directions in Act Three says exit pursued by a bear. So, yes, yeah. 
Um, but now he's instead pursued by like a, a gaggle of more prisoners who are going to do something. And I don't know, just the search, the casual attitude of Sam's like, but what are they going to do? And Jack's like, I don't care. And just continues. I'm just like, I don't know. I was kind of like, I like, I get it, but also at the same time, really, I don't know. So that whole, again, just really weird interaction thing happening. Yeah. In Many interactions here are just weird. Yes. Um, so we get then a quick jump back to the SGC, and it seems that SG3 were sent off to try and find SG1, and they did not find SG1. Surprise. Well, apparently they also did nothing wrong. Apparently, yes, because they yeah returned home and did not encounter. Well, no, they are told to report to the briefing room. So they did nothing wrong, but they did meet the Taldor, which we'll learn in a minute. So I would um, have liked to have seen how that went down. Yeah. Like, what did they do? I'm guessing they did the whole trespassing on ancient ground with weaponry thing that SG-1 did. Because they would have sort of walked in the same area that SG-1 walked in. But why was that not yeah. an offense enough to get them sent to Hedante since they have a, you know, zero strike policy? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Um, no, now I'm trying to think back on the original interaction. If it was, if it was the uh, helping the the other dude that really sent them over the edge. I think so because they didn't get taken until they were with Rosher. True. Yeah. So back on Hedante, uh, Sam and Jack have found Linnea, and her room looks like a lab. Like she's got all these like bottles of stuff and like a table with like experiments on it or something. And uh, they tell her they're from Earth. And she's like, I have no idea what that is. And they tell her, you know, basically they 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 need to get out of here. They don't belong here. They've done nothing wrong. They don't belong here. They need to leave. But the only way in or out is the gate. There's no, like, exit to the surface. It's just this cave of prison. And that's it. Um, they do also break the news that standing in front of the Kawush's death because apparently the people here believe if you stand in front of the Kawush, you get like sucked back through and just, you know, return back to where you were. But as we know, that does not happen. And, and nobody put that together by the fact that like the feet. I, yeah, I know. So, but I guess if the feet aren't in the Kawush, the feet wouldn't go through. I, who knows, you know, what they're thinking at this point. They're probably just desperate to escape. And Linnea's like, well, who am I to say that isn't escape? Which, I mean, you know, she's not wrong. True, but that means that they know it's death. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what they need from her right now is power of the electrical kind. So. Which I also found it. I love how part of that interaction is they're like feeling out each other's terminology and kind of yeah. gathering ah by this you mean this this is what I have but somehow she knew what electrical power was I know <laughs> that, like, that was nowhere in the conversation <laughs> yeah yeah there's another fun little scene of that coming up uh in a little bit um so then we cut back to the SGC in the briefing room and we learn that the Taldor returned all of SG-1 weapons and their transmitters the GDOs to GD3, to, to GD3. <laughs> they returned their weapons and GDOs to SG3. 
they were told that SG-1 had been accused of a crime and sent to prison through the Stargate, but they would not tell SG-3 what that crime was. So, according to Hammond, this is now a diplomatic mission, which means it's time for SG-9. And I love that we, like, learn that SG-9 is the diplomatic team, and I'm very happy that we have a diplomatic team with all of the shit that SG-1 kicks up on their adventures <laughs> around the galaxy. <laughs> you can see the briefing for SG-9, and they're like, oh, God, what did they do again? What did they, what did they do now? What? Ah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah it's like every time sg1 goes on a mission is sg9 just sitting there looking at their watch like taking bets about how long it's going to take before they get called something up <laughs> so, okay so it does sound more and more like each team other than sg1 is specifically designated for something like the team itself has a purpose rather than okay we're going to find a mix of people of different areas and send them you know, out together, which is interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to think about it, SG one could be sort of the first contact team, the flagship team, the flagship team, you know, the ones they send out first. And then if any follow-up is necessary, whatever team has those skills, then gets sent in behind SG one when SG one comes back. So the I rest guess. of them are like Liam Neeson teams. They have a specific <laughs> set of skills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That they're sent back for. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I could go with that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never really so, thought about that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I like in like later in like later seasons we get there's like an archaeological team and like Jack has to lend out his archaeologist and he hates it when he ha- that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um Meanwhile, meanwhile, back on Hadante, it seems that Linnea has discovered cold fusion. Ah, what? How? What? So she uh, takes one of her little bottles that she calls activators and like drops some of the liquid onto this plant root thing and it like starts to glow. And then, as you said, we get that fun scene of people from different worlds trying to explain the various scientific terms that they use and like okay, when you say this, it means that, which means I say this. And somehow they end up understanding each other, mm-hmm. which is great. But the important thing is that this could probably power the gate. So, and if it does, they agree to take Linnea with them. You know what I did wor- wonder about that, though, is like, if she's as insanely brilliant, like mad scientist brilliant as she's supposed to be, how did she never put that together? I guess maybe she didn't know where to go. What do you What do you mean that she could she could power the gate herself? Yes. Maybe she's not smart enough to figure out how the gate actually works if it's not something that's part of their daily lives. Like because it seemed it was just like in the middle of the woods, you know. So if it's not part of their daily lives, and when people get sent to prison, all people know is they just don't come back, but don't know how they get there or where even it is it's possible they don't interact with the gate on a regular basis all right if at the i'm gonna spoiler at the end of the episode if she is as insanely genius as to learn how to navigate a computer and code in it effectively in like 20 minutes 
maybe a half hour, maybe an hour, but still a really short amount of time on a planet that she's never been to before. I'm going to go ahead and say she's supposed to be smart enough to figure out I could probably power the gate with this. But does she know how to dial it and like what address she can dial? That's the only factor I think that was holding her back is she probably didn't know where to go. Okay. But I mean, you'd think they would have had enough time on their hands to try to play with it. Yeah. But I mean, if she, I mean, even if she does know how the gate works and knows there that there's like the DHT thing, there's no DHT there, you know? So maybe she doesn't know how to power it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's pretty much it it's pretty much the story of Earth, right? They didn't have a DHT, so they figured out how to yeah. Okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna move it around. <laughs> and see it's what got happens. symbols on it. We're just gonna move it around. We're gonna put them all in different places. And yeah. See what happens. You think she would have had enough time on her hands to kind of yeah. play with that? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm no. Saying. I mean, I know it is. It is a very valid question. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Well, but we'll get to the end when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, Jack and Sam then go find Tilk and Daniel, and Tilk has been like intimidating a prisoner by putting him in like a chokehold up against the wall. Apparently he was, I don't know, harassing Daniel or something. Um, And so Daniel then shares that he believes this place is over 50,000 years old, which predates human civilization, which while interesting, isn't really useful at this point in time. And I love how he points that out. (laughs) He's like, which isn't really useful, but still isn't that cool. I think it's cool. Daniel is becoming like Teal's prison bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sure. If if you wanna, well, if you wanna look at it from that Teal can point smack around so. whoever's giving Daniel a hard time. Yeah. Well, I mean, his job is to take point and look scary. Yeah. So yeah. So Jack and Sam end up sharing the good-ish news about Linnea and the whole power thing, and Daniel raises the point that. They have no idea why Linnea is in prison. Is is it even a good idea to bring her with us? Like, why is she here? We don't know. And uh, we also learn in this conversation that's sort of about, like, fear and power and how prison works that Jack has been in prison for. Mm-hmm. So, which, fun fact, we will get some more information about this in the episode A Matter of Time later this season. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. But the other problem they have, besides trying to figure out how to hook up one kind of alien technology to another kind of alien technology, is the fact that they don't have their GDO. So even if they do get it to work, they can't just dial Earth. So now it's time for Daniel to figure out another planet that they could get to instead of going back to Earth. And then we get an incoming wormhole on Hedante. And we see prisoners carrying bowls, and some of them are carrying this, like, trough-looking thing. And they set it up in front of the gate. And uh, very shortly, the most delicious gray slop comes through down the trough into, you know, a little vat thing. And apparently this is their food. The prop person, you know, the 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 behind-the-scenes person in me always kind of wonders, like, I wonder what that really is. Is it oatmeal? Is it poi? (laughs) What do they use for the slop? It's probably an oatmeal cream of wheat, kind of, you know, very watered down, color, and yeah, it doesn't just look so, so tasty and delicious. Back at the SGC, SG9 are apparently back 
from their diplomatic mission to P3X775. And their leader is like, so while we may not agree with their laws, we do have to respect them, you know, which is true. I do like this conversation that they have. Yeah, me too. I like this scene a lot. And, you know, SG9, again, tried to explain that SG1 had just made an honest mistake, but they have, you know, zero tolerance for crime of any kind. So there's basically no crime on this planet except for like crimes of passion, just like one strike and like off to Hadante you go. And SG3 is like, we'll go in guns blazing and get them back, sir. And SG9 is like, "Uh, no, please don't. That would just be a horrible idea. They are apparently or seemingly much more technologically advanced than us, especially with the whole sort of Insta transport weapon taking thing and would probably just, you know, kick our butts. Uh, But they do seem open for relations, like sort of talking this out. And this time Hammond's going to go back with them just to make sure everything goes right. And also SG3, don't forget you have to head out to PTA P2A 509 tomorrow, so you better get your butts ready for that. Just to like reiterate the fact that SG3, you are not going back with us. It's just Hammond and SG9 mm-hmm. going back to talk to the tower. You tell. are supposed to be somewhere else. You have to be somewhere else. So, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <clears throat> please, please remember that gate address for later. So Sam goes to find Linnea, who's like sitting by some sort of like waterfall thing and adding something to her food that apparently makes it taste better. So Sam uses this time to ask Linnea what her crime was, which, okay, good. Thank you for asking because I really do think that is an important information that they should have before they take her back with them. I also feel like they probably should have asked someone else. I Yeah, but also she's in prison. So is she really going to tell you the truth? Because everybody who's in prison is like, I didn't do anything. So, but according to Linnea... Linnea's story, at least, is that there was a plague spreading among the people, and she tried to help, but unfortunately her medicine had the opposite effect, and thousands of people died. And so they blamed her and sent her to prison for, like, mass murder. And she's like, I'm not innocent in this, you know. And so it's like, I get, you know, you took responsibility for your action, that's great. Um, Good for you. She just kind of goes, yes. Yeah, mm mm-hmm, Yep. Um, so Linnea has also decided to accept SG-1's offer and to, like, give them the power and go back with them because apparently somehow them being there has changed the balance of power in this place. I I don't quite know how. I don't Um, know either because she's the one in power. And I'm like, you're, but you're the one in charge. So, and nobody has said anything to you about anything. Um. But also, she's like, Vishner's probably going to challenge your friends soon, and if they do, they're just going to die. So you should probably get them ready for that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's that's all right, that's interesting. And then we get this great scene back on Earth of like Hammond getting ready to like go through the gate on his first trip through the gate. Yay! Yay. Uh, we also learned that the Taldor like really believe in punctuality. Is like very important to them and also they're they're xenophobic as in is the polite way of of saying how how horrible they probably actually really are so they need to go and they need to go now 
Back in the gate room on Hidante, Daniel and Jack are trying to figure out which planet they can gate to. And Daniel rules out Samaria for some reason and also Chulak for more obvious reasons. Uh, he mentions P3A707 as a possibility, but who knows how long they would be there before something. And I checked and P3A707 is not a planet that we have seen SG-1 visit. So is another ah. like non-TV show mission which I like when they do that because it's like there is more going on than sort of just what we see in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I like when that happens. But um, Daniel is interrupted by the gate powering up and several prisoners run up and sort of stand on the steps in front of the gate. And Sam has returned and tells them well, what she learned from Linnea about what the prisoners believe will happen when, when the kawoosh goes and so Daniel runs up and, like, tries to stop them and explains, like, you're just going to die. You don't escape. You're just going to die. But he gets, like, pushed aside and the kawoosh goes and the prisoners are all vaporized and a new guy comes flying through. So, um, unfortunately for Daniel, he's, like, pushed off to the side and stops, like, right in front of Vishner. And apparently Vishner has taken Daniel's attempt at interference uh, with with the prisoners who are trying to kill themselves as a challenge, which is ridiculous. Um, But the rules are the rules. So it's, it's there, there it's it's time to fight. Basically Uh, Daniel gets grabbed by Fishner. Someone tries to start strangling Jack. Sam tries to get Linnea to be like, you can stop this. And she's like, and Linnea is like, I can't do anything. This is these, these are the rules of the prison here. I can't do anything. And so she tries to, like, get back through the crowd to help, but she's they're not letting her through. So she calls out for Tilk, who is somewhere else for some reason. So he comes running. And then Vishner has Daniel in a chokehold. And Daniel then passes out. And uh, Linnea raises her hand, and she has some kind of device, like, just stuck to the palm of her hand. It's like this little gray circle with, like, three stones on it. And she points it at Vishner, who groans in apparently intense amounts of pain and collapses to the ground, just dropping Daniel. And apparently no one sees her do this somehow. Yeah, I I don't know how it. Yeah, (laughs) I guess because they're all looking at Jack and Daniel getting beat up. I don't know. Um, So Jack is now also in a chokehold. And there's another guy that has like a knife looking thing. And Tilt comes in, punches one of the guy that's like holding Jack, who Jack then gets dropped and he and Tilk fight off the two guys, but uh, Tilk gets stabbed for his troubles. And, uh, but they manage to like get those guys beat. So their attackers are all on the ground and defeated. And Sam rushes over to Daniel with Jack and Tilk. And luckily Daniel still has a pulse. So we do not need to add anything to Daniel's death count in this episode. Yay. Yay. Which is, you know, a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, on Taldor, Hammond and Kovacek, that's the, the leader of SG-9, his name is uh, Kovacek, uh, are speaking to the judicial body. And the scene is, like, funny, but, it, like, it doesn't try to be funny, but it just is because Hammond keeps doing the thing where he, like, says things. And then Kovacek is like, he didn't mean it like that. And then Hammond's like, yes, I did. And... <laughs> Basically, like, Hammond ends up, like, offering himself in exchange for SG-1 because he's the one who sent SG-1 to this planet in the first place. So whatever they did, 
they did on his orders. And they're like, oh, you ordered your team to help a murder. And he's like, no. Then they're like, okay, not guilty. His, his assumption of guilt by proxy is denied. And Hammond calls their law unjust. And Kovacek is just off the side, like just doing like the biggest mental face palm ever, because this is not how this meeting was supposed to go. No, he's still all. trying to be diplomatic. He's still trying to be like... Hammond is not helping. He, no, Hammond is really not helping their cause right now. I know he thinks he is, but he's really not. And, like, I get what he's trying to do, but Hammond, you're not helping things. He's like but, the guy in the movie where you just want... you Like, normally you'd be like, yeah, you get him. You fight for your people. Yeah, go. But in reality, it's like, no. No, shut up. Like, shut, shut up, George. Please, please stop talking. Please. Stop. Please stop talking. Uh, but basically this meeting ends with the Taldor saying that no one returned from Hedante ever nobody like once you're there you're stuck you're not coming back so things are not looking great from that side of things for our guys they never finish the sentence of like nobody comes back and they it's probably because they just don't want to tell them that they lost it So so they're just playing it off like, no, nobody ever comes back. No, it's not allowed. You can't. No. Also, we don't know how because we lost the remote. <laughs> this is this is very yeah, do you think they took the DH do you think they took the DHD from where the gate was, or do you think they moved the gate to the underground lair that it is in? I mean, somebody had to have gone there initially and told them what it was. Yeah. If they didn't or I mean like you know like if they didn't move it there and they just found it somebody had to have gone through it and figured out what it was right somehow communicated back to them (laughs) I can't get out so so maybe they did locate it and they had some sort of dial back device that they took back with them okay maybe they're technologically advanced enough to have some sort of more portable way of controlling it Possibly. I don't know. Okay. I'm just thinking out loud. Just thinking yeah. out loud. Okay. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in Linnea's quarters, Daniel is still unconscious and she gives him some of her uh, activators, which is the, all the various jars of liquids in her room. And with them is the new prisoner who came flying through the Stargate. And apparently this guy is blind. And I have decided I shall call him Jean Valjean since his crime was stealing bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. Because he, he does not get named in the show. So I'm calling him Jean Valjean. Prisoner um, what? Prisoner 52601. 24601, yes. 24601. Okay. Um, but apparently somehow just by looking at him, Linnea can tell he wasn't always blind. And he does confirm that, yes, the, the, the his sight sort of deteriorated over time. And so she takes another jar of something, drops it in his eyes. He kind of screams in pain, but then he can apparently see because he looks up, sees Linnea, cowers in fear, and then runs off. And Linnea's like, his sight has returned. It's like, yeah, think. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I were SG-1 and I saw this interaction and I was planning on bringing this woman back with me, I would find that dude i know why did they not go like, ask him like what is going on i know even if it's like he ends up being like oh i was i thought she was somebody else yeah yeah at least go <laughs> talk to that guy find out why he like ran away in terror from this woman 
Why like, are you not happy that she just made you unblind? I know. It's like she restored your sight. Why are you running away? Um, but then Daniel wakes up and uh, suggests that they go to P2A 509. Which, hey, that address sounds familiar because Daniel remembered from their mission briefing that SG-3 is supposed to be there on a mission so they can get there, meet up with SG-3, and then head home. So they decide to use the window of time in which the prisoners are eating to try and make their escape because apparently the food comes at the same time every day. So Why do you think they did that instead of waiting until they're asleep? Because powering up the gate makes a lot of noise and it could wake them up but they would already be awake and like able to be on the move if they're eating as opposed to if they're asleep and they hear something they don't know what it is i don't i don't know i don't know yeah weird yeah i don't know um but apparently uh it has been like a full day or something because now it's time for food again And so they get the trough set up and it all comes through. Uh, But then everybody's just kind of standing there. Apparently what they're doing is they're waiting for Daniel to distribute the food since they think Daniel defeated Vishner. So Daniel's now in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, he goes up, he does the whole sort of like ritual kind of thing that these people apparently have where he like lets Linnea eat first and then everybody else tries to eat. But he's like, "Eh, eh, eh, no. They eat first. So then SG-1 gets their food. And then it's just like a feeding frenzy of everybody just like, rawr. And like, they're like actually like growling and stuff and like shoving Daniel out of the way so they, they can get to the gray slop. So um, everybody has their food and kind of scurries off to elsewhere in this cavern thing. And so SG-1 starts their plan and they wrap the gate with the root. And I wanted to ask if you thought this was possibly leftover Knox hair. <gasps> Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. Because, of course, it was, you know, like Christmas holiday season at Hobby Lobby. They yeah. probably got a lot. Yeah. When they yeah. got the Knox hair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it's just it's just so similar in texture to that stuff. I was like, but that's just like leftover in the props department. They're like, hey, we can use that. Um, totally. So they get it like all wrapped up and then they start dropping her activators on it. And we see it sort of starting to power up and it does like get powered up. So they start dialing it and uh, we see Jean Valjean kind of like spying on them from around the corner and they get the gate dialed and activated, which also vaporizes the food trough, if, if you look, because it's still set up right in front of the gate. So the I food trough. What it was. Yep, it's the food trough. No more food trough. And they so. Be yeah. So SG1 starts running through with Linnea. And that prisoner from earlier who took the shoes of the dead guy, like, looks up and sees what's going on and yells, escape. And then we see Jean Valjean, since he was close enough, sort of run through after them. And he makes it through. But then the gate shuts down before anybody else can make it through. And I think there's a little bit of goof in the scene. Because so the route is like wrapped around the gate, including inside the gate. So when the kawoosh happened, it should have vaporized the bits of the root that were on the inside and it should have all like fallen back to the ground because it wouldn't have been like wrapped around the gate anymore. I totally thought about that too. And it would have stopped powering it. 
Right. Or is once it powered, does it keep its charge for, you know, X amount of time? I don't know. But yeah, it should have fallen off. Yeah. So from there, though, we cut back to the SGC and it's the return of SG-1 with Linnea. So they made it home. And the Hammond's like, where did you come from? And Jack's like, prison. And <laughs> so they sort of give him a, a very brief rundown of like what happened and how they got home by meeting up with SG3. And Sam asks Hammond to give Linnea quarters because they like wouldn't have gotten out if it wasn't for her. And he kind of like looks at Jack like, is this, uh, uh, yes, should I do this? And ends up kind of sort of brushing that request aside for now. And is like, I'll take it into consideration, but first y'all got to go to the infirmary because who knows where you've been, what's happened, all Finally. that stuff. Finally. Finally. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we cut to uh, sometime later in Sam's lab with Sam and another female scientist. And uh, she's showing Linnea what a computer is and all of the information that is on the computer. And they begin working, trying to replicate Linnea's like activators on like an atomic level, which, okay. okay. Um, bad decision number one or bad decision number two, I guess. First one is taking Linnea with them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So in the briefing room, Jack and Daniel are giving Hammond sort of like all of the details of what happened when uh, the leader of SG3 comes in with Jean Valjean and they found him like lurking around SG3's camp on P2A509. According to Jean Valjean, Linnea started the plague that she told (gasps) Sam she had tried to cure. According to him, she's known as the destroyer of worlds. Okay, so... They went through this, like, his whole monologue is, he goes through it pretty fast, and I didn't really understand the story completely other than, yes, she started the plague, but did he talk about any sort of, like, motivation or what the whole thing was? He said something about how he then, or, like, half the planet was dead and then she offered to help people, and I don't know. Take me through it. Okay, so what he says is is that their island states were at war, so there's apparently some kind of planet-wide war happening, whether it was just like sort of a civil war between two sides or whether it was sort of more like a world war like we've had here on Earth is unclear. I My thought has always been this plague was actually some kind of bioweapon, like an engineered plague to kill the enemy. Like it wasn't just, she didn't just sort of take advantage of something that was happening naturally. I've always been of the belief that this plague was created as a weapon to, you know, kill the enemy. Mm -hmm. But if the enemy doesn't know who Linnea is, she can go in as sort of under false pretenses of, oh, I'm a doctor, let me help you, but here are actually smallpox covered blankets. Mm. And, oh, no, I'm so sorry, I didn't know that would happen. Oops. Kind of thing. Okay. My bad. That, that's, that's kind of how I've always interpreted what this guy says. As, and what, because I think Linnea was telling like half truths to Sam, you know? Yeah. So based on that, and what he says, that's my theory about what happened on that planet. Makes sense. Get okay. it now. 
Like he, okay, cool. Yeah, because he went through it like really fast. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like three sentences, and it's like that's a lot of information to put in like three sentences. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so um, back in Sam's lab, Sam is now telling Linnea all about the Stargate system and that there's like thousands of worlds out there. Bad idea number three, Sam. Like, just, yeah. And then Aya's like, oh, this information is super useful. Thank you so much. And then raises her hand that has the device on it again and, like, uses it on Sam now. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, oh, and then this is where we then get a brief cut back to the briefing room where Jean Valjean continues the story about the island states being at war and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so we go back to Linnea, who is fiercely typing at Sam's computer, apparently looking through all of the gate addresses that are on there. And we see Sam and the other scientist like unconscious on the floor. So was Linnea lying about not knowing what a computer is? Or, yeah, is she really super smart and managed to figure out how to use it in like the 20 minutes she saw Sam working on it? Well, I mean, the other planet was actually supposed to be pretty advanced, right? So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Sam was showing her how to use a computer. And she was like, in her mind, just kind of going, you're cute. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're adorable that you think this is really advanced technology. Yeah. Yeah. It still leads me to believe, how did she not know how to work the gate? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it is one of the large lingering questions of this episode. Yeah, but I, I do think that since the other planet was supposed to be so advanced that, that during this whole interaction in her mind, she was like, mm, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a sort of interesting comment um, about sort of what the technological level of this planet is, because when we first meet Rashtor and he's like running through the woods, he is in very, like, rough-hewn clothing. Is the planet technologically advanced? And there's just a very large sort of disparity between the sort of upper class and the lower class? Or, That's you know... Is, I got. Okay, so you think the technology advanced that it is is just sort of very limited to, like, just, like, those judicial people and people they deem worthy of knowing these things? Probably the people that won the war over the people that yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and they decided to use Linnea as their scapegoat, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. So uh, Hammond, Jack, Tilk, and Daniel are all just like walking through the hall when the klaxon goes off. And fun fact, did you know that the word klaxon is actually a brand name? And no. Not, it is. It's actually a brand name, not just like a generic term for like an alarm. Uh, it was created by Franklin Hallett Lovell Jr., the founder, uh, who like created it and coined the name klaxon from the ancient Greek verb klatso, which means I shriek. So, oh, yes. So, yes. So, klaxon is a brand name, and I would like to thank QI for that fact. So, thank you, Yay. QI, for another fun All fact. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they took off running for the control room and there's an unauthorized gate activation. And we also see that the blast shield is down and we also learned that the doors into the gate room are sealed shut and they can't get like anything opened and they can't stop the activation. 
Uh, Sam finally comes running into the room with the scientist who was with her, and they just sort of casually mentioned that they were unconscious for a few minutes. And when they came to, Linnea was gone, which is like, that's something to just, I mean, they, they, that's good. Definitely need to talk about that when this is all done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they finally get the blast shield up and we see Linnea waiting on the ramp with the gate active when the self-destruct starts a 30 second countdown and Hammond orders her away from the gate and continues to like order technicians to like shut it down, but they can't like none, nobody's codes are working. Like not even Jack's codes are shutting things down. They can't even just like turn the system off for some reason. Apparently Linnea really managed to get in there deep and like just mess things up completely. Like it's, I don't know what she did, but it is not good. So uh, Linnea just kind of turns around and casually strolls through the gate and the self-destruct countdown continues. But when it gets to one, nothing happens. So apparently that's all just a ruse, which again, how did she know how to do that? And Jack orders the gate to be redialed to where Linnea went. And Hammond immediately is like, yes, go follow her. But then the power goes out, full blackout. Everything's off. All that's left is a message on one of the monitors that says, thank you for your kindness. All debts have now been paid. They have let the Destroyer of Worlds out into the universe. Oh, man. The end. Bye. So, yeah. That's prisoners for you. How many memos you got for this one? Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, I feel like so much of this could have been solved if somebody in the SG team was just like, hey, let's let's ask somebody else what she did, because I'm going to go ahead and say that she's not going to tell us the truth. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, verify the stories. So I bet there's probably going to be a lot of memos about vetting people that you bring back with you yes. and what information you can and cannot share with them within an hour of bringing them on your planet. Yes. Because they just gave her all of the information, like, right away. Like, yeah, they didn't, they did not even hold back. No. It's like, oh, Sam made so many bad choices. I feel really bad for Sam because she's going to get just, like, the book thrown at her. I know, because... Which- I mean, people on Earth can't even see all that information. It's not like they could just show it to anybody. Clearly, they would have been like, I'm sorry, you don't have clearance to see this. Yeah. Like, and you're just going to show this random woman you met on an alien planet? I mean, okay, yes, this woman knows that the Stargate is a thing. But she could be, you know, like the Abedonians and think the gate only goes one place between her planet and Hadante. Like... Why are you telling her it goes all over the universe? Why? <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go with there's a whole bunch of memos around vet who you bring back with you. Yes. If they're helpful, yay. But ask a little bit more questions. I would say Do ask a right lot more questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot more okay. questions. Yeah. Put that on the memo list. Okay. <laughs> um... The episode title, Prisoners, I I don't really know if this one needs much explanation this week. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So how's this one, like, rate overall for you? 
you know, this one isn't too bad because I know that that we are we are levels of Stargate and we love watching them. And like when we talk about these, we always just like pick them apart with the funny holes. But, so some of the episodes have really, really giant plot holes. Some of them are like, meh, that's weird. But, you know, they probably just didn't have super nerds working for them at the time. I think yeah. this is probably one of them. Yeah. That, you know, they don't have giant gaping plot holes, but they probably should have had some super nerds working for them at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Read the script and were like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have questions. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's another episode that doesn't end on a win for our team, really. I mean, like, they got home, but I think the net gains are in, like, the negative, really. Yeah, I'm this. thinking their diplomatic efforts with that planet are probably shot. Yeah, just, they, they never go back there. Just don't, like, wipe that address from yeah. the dialing computer, put a note on it, do not go back. <laughs> Although, I mean, really, how would they know that they even got out? I mean, that's true. As far as they know, SG-1 is still there. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Unless the, but, the Jean Valjean dude eventually gets back to them. But, I mean, he was a prisoner, too. So, why? Yeah. What are, and what, okay, so what do, you, what do you think happened with Jean Valjean? Did we keep him here on Earth, or did we, like, ship him off to, like, the Knox or the Land of Light or something? Ooh, I'm guessing he was shipped off somewhere. I... Okay. I think probably Cassandra is the exception to the rule. I think probably there are very big policies of like, we are not keeping anybody here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Everyone is getting shipped off somewhere else. Yes. Okay. So maybe they stuck him back on the planet they all escaped to. Oh, P3A, P2A, 509? Yeah. I guess it depends on what was there. Yeah. So, Okay. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that they they do not keep any refuse refugees except for Cassandra. Okay, I go with that. I buy that. As far as I remember, because I don't yeah. remember any differently. No, no, yeah, no. They haven't kept any. Yeah, whenever there are mass refugees, Hammond's like, "Where are we putting these people? Like, find somewhere to put them." Is always like Hammond's first order of business is find somewhere to send everybody because they're not staying here. Mm-hmm. But. You know, is it different when it's just like a guy? I don't know, but probably not. So you ain't gotta go home, but you gotta get the hell up. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, I think yeah. is that all for this week. I think it is. Do you have yeah. any final thoughts? Did you um, like this one? Yeah, I mean, I'd give it like a six out of ten. Like you said, there's interesting stuff in here, and. Like what what comes back later does kind of sour things a bit. Uh, I don't even remember it. I'll tell you when we sign off if you want to know or if you want to be surprised. Well, like you can let me know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's sort of middle of the road for me. Like it's not awful, but it's not like super awesome. But yeah, so yeah. this whole episode for you is just kind of summed up by eh. yeah. It's like yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The twins is evil. (laughs) She is. She's horrible. Uh, 
All right. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for The Gamekeeper. Bye.